Well, it's good to see everybody out this morning, especially if we have any visitors. We're thankful that you've taken time to be out with us, and uh, we invite you back at each and every opportunity that you have to be with us. We teach our children a song. It's called This Little Christian Light of Mine. And I'm sure all of us know that song. And I was going to, you know, after I got all those wonderful jokes about my age from Scott, I was going to have him lead that song for us this morning, This Little Christian Light of Mine. But we're just going to talk about some of the words. Because we, I know that that song is very important when we teach it to our children. Because we say that we're going to let our light shine. You know, all around the neighborhood, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan it out? I'm going to let it shine. And there's a few other verses that go to that song. But I want us to realize that that seems like a very scriptural song. Because it's saying exactly what the Scripture is telling us that we are to let our light shine. The Scripture says that, and so does the song. And when we think of that word let, what does that mean, let? It means that we shouldn't hinder our light from shining wherever we go. We shouldn't let Satan hinder it. We shouldn't hinder that light by putting it under a bushel because we're ashamed to admit that we're a Christian, or to let people see us living that Christian life. Don't do something that hinders it. Let that light shine. And so as we go out into the world, we are to do that very thing. And I want to talk about that this morning because we can let our light shine in three different ways. On the world, to the world, and in the world. And all of those places and all those ways are very important. If you have your Bible, turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Because there I think that we can see that we are to let our light shine on the world and expose air. Beginning in verse 1, it says, "...be ye therefore followers of God." I want to stop right there because he's talking to the church at Ephesus and he's encouraging them, reminding them that they are followers of God. And that's what we need to be reminded of every time we get out of bed, every time we go about our lives, that we are followers of Christ. Remember the passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24 where Jesus said, if you're going to be His disciples, that you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Him. And so Paul is reminding the church at Ephesus that they are followers of God. And so if we're followers of God, there's certain behaviors that we need to show in our lives. So beginning of verse 1, "...be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given Himself for us, offering given up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. 
Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkened, or sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the world, light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the spirit, or fruit of the spirit, is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak those things which are done of them in secret. So Paul is saying that if we are followers of God, there are certain things that should not even be mentioned in our lives. They shouldn't even be a part of our lives. They shouldn't be a part of God's people. They shouldn't be a part of the congregation. It shouldn't be named among us. And it's a shame if we have those things in our lives and we need to get rid of those things. And only you know whether you have those things in your life. He says, let no man deceive you. There are a lot of teachings that are out there that are false, that are wrong, that can lead people not to the place where they want to go, which is heaven, but will lead them to a devil's hell. And don't be deceived by those words. And don't be deceived yourself into thinking that you can overlook what God wants and it's going to be okay. Because it's not going to be okay. We need to live a faithful life. And so we need to remember also that we were once in darkness ourselves. That we were lost. And that there are people out there in that darkness that need to be rescued. They need to be saved. And so we go out into the world and we show them the truth. In verse 11 it says, "...and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. That word reprove means to expose. When we live a Christian life, we're living a moral life. We're living a life that lets that light shine into the world. And believe it or not, there are people out there that despise people that are living the Christian life. They despise people that have a standard that God has given them that they need to live by. And so when we go out into the world, sometimes the life that we live exposes them for what they are. And sometimes they are upset and they get angry with that and they want to hurt you. And that's exactly what happened in the case with Jesus and with Paul and many others. We can see that simply living the Christian life upsets some people. And the same is true today. Why? Because they're still in darkness. And that light, when it goes in, it exposes that darkness. And so we need to understand our responsibility. And there are times that we, not only just by our example, but we also need to use the Word of God to show and to reprove people, to show them what is wrong in their life. Why they need to change. <clears throat> Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 3 and verse 19. But Herod the Tetrarch, being reproved by him for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evil which Herod had done. That passage of Scripture is talking about John the Baptist, that he exposed Herod for what he was. It ended up costing him his head. He died because he told Herod the truth. He told him what he needed to hear. 
And sometimes we need to talk about God's Word out there in the world so people know that it's not just us that's saying it, it's God that's saying it. And that's exactly what John the Baptist was doing. He was exposing error with the Word of God. Because he said it wasn't lawful for him to have his father's or have his wife. And then in First Timothy chapter five, beginning of verse nineteen, it says, Against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses, them that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. There are times when elders may go astray and they need to hear the truth and they need to hear what the Bible says, and so you use the Bible to expose the error that they have in their life. And you do that before all in verse in uh, <clears throat> Titus chapter one and verse nine. It says, "Holding fast the faithful words as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers." And then down in verse thirteen of that same chapter, it says, "This witness is true. Wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith." God's word is given to us for a reason. These people that want to say that we don't have to be obedient to God's will, I don't know where they get that authority to say that. The Bible is there as the standard for us to live by. And when we go out into the world living our example, people may ask us questions about why don't you do this? Or why do you live in this particular way? Why is living a moral life so important to you? And you can open the pages of God's Word and you can show that this is why. You see, the devil has been very clever in trying to convince people that the Bible is not God's Word. And that you cannot trust it because man has had to reprint and retranslate over and over. Now, some translations you can't trust because man has put his opinion in. But God's Word is true today just as it was when it was given. And that's the standard that you and I need to live by. And that's the standard that we use to expose error in the world today. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19, Jesus says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Why does God use His Word? You know, sometimes we may be sitting and listening to someone preach the Gospel. We may be reading the Bible ourselves and it gets on our toes. We don't like what we're hearing. What do we need to do when that's the case? If it's the true Word of God, then we need to change. We need to repent and straighten up our lives. And sometimes that's because the Lord is showing us through His Word that that's what we need to do. That we need to make changes in our lives. You can compare that passage of Scripture to John chapter 3 and verse 16. A very familiar passage of Scripture. In John chapter 3 and verse 16 it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on in verse 17 and on. He says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, 
neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wroth in God. What's he telling us there? There are some people that love darkness. They want to stay in that condition. Now we can take the gospel into the world, but yet they're not going to change. And when we believe the Word of God, when we believe Jesus Christ, when we believe in Him, what does that mean we're going to do? Does that just mean that we acknowledge the fact that He exists? Does that mean that we just acknowledge the fact that He died on the cross for our sins? Does that mean that we just acknowledge Him as, as Lord of our life, the King of kings and Lord of lords? When we believe what Jesus says... We're going to do what Jesus says. When we believe in Christ, we're going to do what He says. Why? Because Christ is in the light. He is the light. And we want to be in that light. And when we love, love darkness, we don't love Christ. And so we can't dabble in the world and live a faithful life to our Lord, we need to be committed to our Lord who died for our sins. You see, when we follow Christ, we are lovers of the light. We are walkers that walk in the light. And we are those that desire the light. Why? Why should every Christian be a lover of the light? Well, what does the Bible tell us? In 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, it says, If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You see, as we go through this life, are we walking in the light? That means are we following the things that God has given us that guide us? Or are we listening more to Satan? <clears throat> Are we walking in darkness? You see, we need to be lovers of the light because in the light is where we have fellowship with our Lord. And why should every Christian want to walk in that light? Because he goes on in verse 7 and he says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And so we walk in that light In other words, we live according to the standard that God has given us in His Word so that we can have our sins continually cleansed by the blood of Christ. But we're striving to the best of our ability to stay in that light. We don't want to be in darkness because we love the light. He goes on to verse 8 and says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. And so why should we desire the light? Why should that be our primary focus of desiring the light of God's Word? The answer is quite simple. Because as a Christian, we know the consequences of living in darkness. We know the consequences of being in darkness for even a moment. We know that it can cause us to be lost in a devil's hell for eternity. 
In Romans chapter 1, beginning of verse 28, it says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which were not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. They're worthy of death when we're guilty of those things. And some of those things we may look at and say, oh, we would never be involved with some of those things. But there's other things in that passage of Scripture that sometimes we are. Whisperers, what is that talking about? You're talking about somebody behind their back. And you're not talking about good things about their life. You're not talking about building them up. You're tearing them down. Covenant breakers, when we break our promise, when we make a promise to pay someone or to do something, what are we doing if we don't keep our word? We're covenant breakers. Disobedient to parents. Parents are there for a reason. The Lord says obey them. That's what God wants us to do. And so we obey. Why? Because that's what we're supposed to do. That's what God has put us here to do. Because disobedience is going to cost us. Now the good thing is the Gospel allows us to have the forgiveness of sin. But as a Christian, we need to understand how important it is to desire that light and to walk in that light. All of those things. Love the light. Because we realize what it means for our soul that we are in a right relationship with God. And it's not only right to shine the light, it is necessary. <clears throat> you see, sometimes you take that flashlight outside and you just kind of illuminate the area. But there are other times that you've got to take that flashlight out and you're using it for a purpose. I can remember, and I'm, probably, I'm sure some of you can remember when you were kids and you, your dad was working on something and he needed that light. He needs you to hold that light and you had to hold that light in just the right position. And next thing you know, somebody walked by and said something and you turned and your light went off. And somebody would say, that isn't helping me a bit, is it? That light needed to be shined in that right spot. And sometimes we got to shine the light in the right spot to expose what is wrong. And sometimes that's not comfortable. Sometimes people don't like that. And sometimes people that even claim to be walking in the light don't like it when we expose error. But that's what we're supposed to do. Identifying that which is wrong is not wrong. I remember years ago that we were going to, me and a couple other people were going to study with someone a family. And the family had expressed their views which were contrary to what the Bible was saying. And
And as we were going home, somebody in the car said, well, we can't tell them they're wrong. And I said, then why are we going? If we can't show people what the Bible says and convince them that what they're doing is wrong because it isn't what God's Word is, is telling them, they're doing what they want to do. If we can't expose that, then why go out into the world with the Gospel in the first place? Yeah, it's, you get uncomfortable. Do you think I like standing up here like last week and talking about denominationalism? It's wrong. The Bible says it's wrong. But it needs to be exposed. There's other doctrines that are out there that are false. Does it need to be exposed? Does it need to have the light of truth shined on it? Yes, it does. Why? Because it's the light that gets rid of the darkness. In Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20, it says, Woe to them that call evil good and good evil, and put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We live in a world today where people are doing that very thing. And that can creep into the church if we're not very careful that people start calling evil good and good evil. And there are times that something sounds real good and wonderful out in the denominational world and they want you to participate in it and you say, no, I can't because it violates what the Scripture teaches. And you may not feel accepted. You may not feel comfortable. But how can you have fellowship with unrighteousness. You have to expose the error. And sometimes, I'll be the first to admit, sometimes you can look like the bad guy because you want to do what's right. And I believe the Lord is telling us, so be it. You do what's right and I'll bless you. John chapter 7 and verse 24, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Oh, we hear people say what it says in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1, Judge not, lest ye be judged, that ye be not judged. And usually when they say that, they put a big giant exclamation point on it. You're not to judge. But if you read a little further down in that chapter... It talks about casting your pearls before swine. Well, how do you know if you're casting your pearls before swine? It's not talking about some animal that's out there. It's asking or telling us that we can't put our pearls out there before the good things of God's Word. We can't put out before those that are just going to trample it under. We've got to make judgments. And sometimes that's tough. But it's the right thing to do if you want to lead someone to heaven. We're not, being, we're not to be ugly or hateful. We're not to be mean-spirited. But just letting the light shine on the world. And we let that light shine on the false doctrine and the false teachers that are out there. Because it's leading people astray. And we want people to hear what God's Word says. You say, well, yeah, but don't they use Scripture too? Yeah, they do. 
And that's why it's important for you and I to study to show ourselves approved under God. It's important for us to know what the truth is so that we can expose it. Because maybe it's possible we could be wrong ourselves. Wouldn't you want to be exposed? Wouldn't you want somebody to show you the truth? I would. And so do to others as you would have them do unto you. Treat them with respect. But don't condemn or condone what they're doing. We have to condemn error for what it is. We can also let the light shine in the world. And we need to remind ourselves what it tells us there again in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, it says, Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. I think this passage of the Scripture is there to help remind us that we were once in a lost condition ourselves. And I think that when we realize that we were in a lost condition ourselves, it helps us to deal with other people who are in a lost condition. And it helps us to understand how it can happen and why they need to get out of it and why they need to hear the truth of God's Word. Paul remembered that he was a chief of sinners, not because he wanted to go back and do those things, but I think it motivated him to go out into the world with the Gospel of Christ. It's easy to be lost. People all over this world are lost. People in this community are lost. They need to hear the truth. Now, will all of them want to hear the truth? Well, obviously not. But we need to understand that we were once in darkness, and we need to remember that we or remember that when we teach others. And I think we see reminders of that throughout the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter two and verse one, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. He was reminding them that when we're in darkness, when we're lost, we're dead. Spiritually we're dead. But he was quickened, they were brought back to life. In John chapter 3, verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He brought the truth. He brought a message and lived a life as an example for us. And His death on the cross is what He wants us to take to the world to tell people what He did so that they could have the forgiveness of sin. So that they could have that relationship with God restored. In John chapter 1 and verse 9, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Jesus is that light. And He's the light that guides us. And all of us had to accept that light. And maybe the error in our own lives was exposed. And when it was, we were ashamed of some of the things that we've done. But that's the joy of forgiveness that God extends to us. 
And so not only do we shine the light in the world, but we can also shine the light to the world. You see, we bring a message of hope and joy. And when we teach the saving power of the Gospel, we're letting that light shine into the world. As Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 tells us, for I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and a salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The Gospel message is what changes people's lives. It's not you, it's not me. We can hinder it by the life that we live. But we can help it by living that faithful life. Because we can let people see that that Gospel has made a change in our life. And that Gospel is a simple fact that Jesus died for our sins, that He was buried, and that He arose victorious over the grave on the third day. And that's what baptism represents, the death, burial, and the resurrection of our Lord. And Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, 15 and 16, to go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. That Gospel is the message that every person on this planet needs to hear. Because it's that message that has the power to save souls. And when we believe that message, and we're buried with our Lord in baptism, we have the promise of salvation. We have that home in heaven prepared for us. And we need to be the examples on how to live that faithful life so that others can see that Christ has made a difference in our lives. You see, in 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse 12, it says, "...having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation." When we live that Christian life, people may not like it. People may make fun of us. They may persecute us. They may do a lot of things to us. But we need to be that example. Realize or think about how many people have failed to obey the Gospel because of an example that they've seen in someone else's life. And that's no excuse, but it's also very sad to know that someone lived a life that would prevent someone from accepting Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 4, and verse 9, <clears throat> those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Paul was telling those in Philippi that they needed to follow what he was saying, what they had learned and what they had received and heard and had seen him do. That's important. We've got to do what the Lord's told us to do. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. It's back to that comment that Jesus made about following Him. That if we're going to follow Him, what do we need to do? We need to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him. Now, if you're following Jesus, Jesus is going to lead us to heaven. And if someone's following you and you're following Jesus, where's that going to lead them? 
And so I ask you this morning, are you letting your light shine? Are you letting your light shine in the life that you're living? Are you leading people to Christ? Or is the example that you're living kind of pushing them away from Christ? You see, if we're followers of Jesus, we can say the same thing that Paul said. Follow me as I follow Christ. Because following Christ is going to get us to heaven. And that's where I want to go. And I hope that that's where you want to go. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, 14, it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. I was thinking of that passage of Scripture the other day. As I drove down the paved road that led to the road that my house is on. That paved road is Judd Road, and it's nice and smooth. It may have a pothole here and there, but it's pretty much easy to travel. But the minute you turn on my road, you can see way down. You can see a mile or two down our road. But you know what? It's straight and it's narrow. But to get to my house, there's holes all over that road. In fact, if you go too fast, you won't have a car by the time you get to my house. And I thought that that's kind of like the Christian, Christian road that we travel. That it's straight and narrow, but nowhere does it say it's smooth and easy. We realize that as a Christian, there's going to be pitfalls. We know that there's challenges. We know that there's going to be trials. And there's going to be difficulties. It's going to happen. But you've got to be focused. And you've got to maintain that road. You've got to stay on that road. And so as we go down our road, sometimes you've got to drive on the wrong side to get past all the potholes. I've had people drive through my front yard to get past the potholes. Sometimes you've got to make the maneuvers to do what's necessary. And the same is true in living a Christian life. It's straight and it's narrow. You can see where you're going. But the Lord never said it was going to be an easy road. That easy road is the broad way. You don't have to do anything to be lost on that road. What road are you on? Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And then in verse 21, listen to what it says. And many will say to me in that day, what did He just say? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. In that very next verse, what do they say? Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Thy name? And in Thy name cast out devils, and in Thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Just because we acknowledge Christ doesn't mean that we're going to heaven. We have to live that faithful life. So we let our light shine in this world, on this world, and to this world. And we don't hinder that light. We don't put it under a bushel. We don't try to hide it. We don't let Satan hinder us. We strive to do what the Lord wants us to do. 
How bright is that light shining in your life? Are you walking in the light as He is in the light? If not, then I would encourage you to repent. And if you're a child of God, if you're a Christian and you know that you're not living as you should, maybe you still have darkness in your life. Maybe you're guilty of some of the things that those passages talked about. Then you need to get rid of those things and straighten out your life. Make things right with God. And if you need our prayers, we're here to help you in any way that we can. But if you're not a Christian, a New Testament Christian, one that you can find and see what they did in the New Testament and follow that pattern, then you need to make changes in your life too. Because it's only through the blood of Christ that we can have the forgiveness of sin. And when we go down in that watery grave of baptism, which represents the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when we go down in that water and we come up, Scripture teaches us that we come in contact with the blood of Christ and our sins are washed away. And that's why Paul was asked, or Saul at the time, that was his name in the beginning there, why tarryest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins? He had to have his sins washed away by the blood of Christ, and that was done through obedience to the Word of God. This morning, if you're in a condition where you're lost and outside of Christ, I would encourage you to make things right before it's too late. You have that opportunity to come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sing.